The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Are You Afraid 1984, the unofficial American Horror Story 1984 podcast, a poppychuloradio.com original series, Poppychulo Radio, pop culture on demand. Today is Thursday, October 10th, 2019, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Aruz. During this podcast, we're going to recap, review, and dissect the latest episode of the FX series, American Horror Story 1984. Please welcome my co-hosts, Madison Fitzpatrick. Hey guys, welcome back. And Vinny Hatcher. I'm ready to slash dance, I hope you are too. Let's jump into our recap of Season 9, Episode 4, which was titled True Killers and aired October 9th, 2019. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. Mr. Jingles closes in on the one who got away as the counselors rally to escape Camp Redwood. So I want to get everyone's initial reaction to this episode. Let's start off with you, Maddie Fitz. I really like this episode. Um, it was a little um, laggy to me, but so many things happened, uh, and it was really, really enjoyable. Um, one of my favorite characters, um, I think, almost got killed in the most interesting way, so we'll talk about that. But yeah, I really enjoyed it. Awesome. What about you, Vinny? This was yet another episode of moments of breakneck speed, but also a little bit of lag. But overall, I, I I didn't notice it as much because I really, really liked this episode. And the revelations, the the pacing of various reveals that we got, and some insights into other characters. So I really, really enjoyed it. I'm very excited to talk about it. Awesome. Very cool. And I guess I'm on the hype train as well because I liked the episode a lot as well. It was, yeah, it was just so good. Like the the revelations were fantastic, the um, the gore was really good, the the smaller, more calm moments were really fascinating, and uh, we got confirmation to some things that we've been talking about. We got um, we got something very interesting happen at the very tail end. It was a lot, but it was really, really good. So uh, before we get into a thorough recap of the latest episode of American Horror Story 1984, here's our announcer with a few special announcements. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio podcasters discussing some of your favorite television shows. Visit poppychularadio.com slash podcasts for a complete list of all the podcasts that we produce. 
You will get up-to-date information on whether the podcast is currently releasing new episodes or if it's on hiatus. You will also be able to click a link to either take you to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or the Poppy Chula Radio archives to download the podcast. To binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio podcasts visit poppychularadio.com slash podcasts. Would you like to be one of the podcasters on this podcast discussing your favorite television show? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. We are always looking for new voices to add to our collection of podcasts. To become a co-host you must be at least 18 years old. You must be comfortable sharing your opinions. And you must be comfortable using Skype. There's no podcast experience required. So if you think you have what it takes to be a Poppy Chula Radio on-air personality, email talent at poppychularadio.com. We look forward to hearing from you. This is a Poppy Chula Radio special announcement. PoppyChuloRadio.com is currently looking to expand its web presence, and we're looking for your help. If you're a fan of Poppy Chulo Radio and its signature series, please visit GoFundMe.com slash PoppyChuloRadio and help us with our campaign. Every dollar amount donated will be improving the Poppy Chulo Radio experience and making it more interactive and user-friendly. We thank you in advance for your support. This has been a Poppy Chulo Radio special announcement. We now return you to our regularly scheduled programming. Thanks, announcer. So, before we get into the actual episode, uh, there was an interesting theory that I read online that uh, I figured I'd share with both of you. Because we've talked about a version of this theory, but we haven't talked about this actual theory. And I don't know if any of you had actually seen this theory, so that's why I will uh, bring it up and and, uh, see what you all think of it. So, we've been talking about the idea of that this season they could be filming a movie. And uh, the thing that I read online, someone theorized about it. It was like this whole article, and I was like, this is fascinating. They were like, well, what if it is a movie? And what if the person that's playing Brooke is Madison Montgomery? Because remember, she was an actress before she uh, started tending Miss Robichaux's in Coven. So what if this is her acting and this is uh, when when was coven coven was season three season three which what year would that be like 2000 and season three this is season nine so six years ago like about 2013 so like let's say this season takes place in 2010 or something like that and it's her filming this movie of the 80s i still like the idea of like staying in the 80s but if they were to do it a movie like that if if this was like the filming of a movie if it starred Madison Montgomery i think i would be kind of fine with it that would be kind of interesting it would be a way to tie in the coven season without necessarily tying the coven season in um you know what i'm saying like it it wouldn't be like a continuation like apocalypse was uh so I don't know if any of you like that theory. I, I read it online and I was like, you know what? That's a little twist on the it, they're shooting a movie. I feel like I mentioned this in one of the previous episodes because I did read this one. And I 
I don't know. I because I, I think we talked about how I really was okay with it, like not being connected to the other seasons because I've been really enjoying this unique environment and atmosphere, and it would be cool because I, I okay I am like. Hashtag Madison fanboy. I love her. Emma Roberts, when she's in full on bitch mode, is my absolute favorite Emma Roberts ever. And I find myself missing that part of her character this season. But at the same time, I worry that if we go that route, it's too soon. It, and it's too desperate to like link it back to a season that was the denouement of like 10 previous or 9 previous seasons or however many. I think it would be nice if we could have something separate. But at the same time, I'm worrying with the side of me that loves Madison. But I think at the end of the day, it would have to be done really, really, really to the nth degree well for me to buy it. Okay. I can't remember if you mentioned the Madison thing. But, uh, but I do know we've talked at length about it potentially being a movie. Madison, would you like for them to sort of tie it into Coven a little bit like that? Uh, sort of tangentially by having Madison be the star of the movie if they are going the route of this being a movie production? Um, I wouldn't like it to be a movie production, but if they were going to like tie it in, um, Brooke being Madison Montgomery would be like the bombest way to do it. But I also think that they could do it in the slightest way. Like, I don't think that they would have to be like, um, you know, like you know, two episodes left and it's like all of a sudden we're back at like the coven house. Like, I don't think that they need to do that, but like just a a slut, like a subtle um, hint, something like um, in asylum, what we did with, um, I'm not going to remember her name, but the pinhead. Oh yeah. I can't remember the name, but I know what you're talking about. Uh, Pepper. Yeah. Pepper. Something like something simple like that where you're like, wait, is that Pepper from this or, or do you know what I mean? Like, like yeah, something uh, subtle, almost like that, where it's like you kind of know that it's it's from the other episodes, like the other seasons, but it's not solely, um, you know, held like it's it doesn't have to go further than that. Like, oh, my just, God. You know, it'd be awesome is if at the very last episode we stay in 1984 and then the credits roll, but they're the credits for the movie and it has a cast list and it says Brooke played by Madison Montgomery. That would be an awesome slight way to do it. Yeah, that would be like a really cool way to do it. But like, I hope that it's not a movie, but if they are going to do that, then that would be a cool way to do it. Okay. Well, I feel like I have cracked the code. So, um, I did a little cheating, I will say, um, as as the person that's modding this um, podcast, moderating it. Um, I, I do uh, on a, I mean, there's a website anybody can can use it to read the press releases for upcoming episodes as well as episode titles and that kind of thing. And uh, I was trying my best not to read anything about it, but as you know, the episode 100, the 100th episode of American Horror Story is approaching, I did want to read like what the press release was going to be, you know, and particularly because as you all have noticed, when I read uh, the synopsis of the episode, it's from the press release and the synopsis really is nothing. I mean, it's like a sentence or two and it's hella vague and it doesn't really give any detail as to what the episode is. And so I was like, you know what, let me read what the synopsis is because it's probably going to be hella vague. And, uh, I will say it looks like unless 
all of the the synopses of like the next couple of episodes are are fake which networks have done that before um you know there there are some shows that that they release you know maybe a synopsis that doesn't have necessarily everything that happens in the episode and that sort of thing but it appears as if we will be in 1984 it does not appear as if this season is a film production so that theory, I feel like, will be completely squashed within the next couple of episodes. For the 100th episode, I won't really go into what what um, each synopsis says, but uh, for the 100th episode, I have no idea what they're doing, because it looks like what they're saying is that it's the fallout of what happened during that night at the camp. So that night being these first five episodes of the season, episode 100 is episode six. Then for episode seven, we're going to see a lost chapter in this camp's history, which maybe that might be. Initially, I thought it was going to be um, like what happened the night that uh, Margaret went batshit crazy, which maybe we still might get. But I think what we might also get is a little bit more of the mythos of the camp as to, like, why there are ghosts and that sort of thing. Uh, sort of like how we got a little bit of an understanding of, like, why the murder house is the way it is and why the Hotel Cortez is the way it is, as well as why the the grounds of the Roanoke house is the way it is. We might learn in that episode why Camp Redwood is uh, an area for like supernatural um, um, uh, um, haunts, I guess is the, the appropriate term. And then it looks like the final couple episodes of the season, because they've only released the synopsis for episode eight, it looks like it's going to be like there, there are new people that want to continue the legacy of Camp Redwood, aka Murder Death Kill. And it's our people trying to stop them or at least maybe the good ones the the ones that survived this i don't know who survives this um these first five episodes but it'll be them trying to stop a new breed of terror which not gonna lie i like all of that i think it's fascinating we'll still be in the in the 1980s i don't know if for the final three episodes we'll have a time jump so maybe we'll get into present day and and uh you know, we'll see the survivors aged up a little bit. Uh, clearly, the ones that are going to be ghosts will still be ghosts. Maybe we'll have some good ghosts that'll help team survivors. Maybe we'll have some bad ghosts that will try to bring more mayhem and murder. I guess we're going to have to wait and see when it comes to that. But it sounds interesting. And uh, it, it sort of checks off everything that we've been wanting about this season. You know, we've been wanting this season to be real. We've been wanting the 1980s motif to linger on, and it looks like it will a little bit. Whether we have a time jump at the end or not for that final section, um, I I'm kind of cool with all of it. Um, any thoughts on what I discovered, and, and does it give both of you a little bit of a, a sigh of relief that we aren't headed into the movie route? It really does, and I'm very intrigued, because even in this episode, which we'll talk about a little bit later, you know, a little breadcrumb was dropped at the very end that kind of 
gives us a new direction that we could be going in as far as the supernatural. So I'm very intrigued hearing what you just said about what's going to happen and where we might be going. And I'm also really excited for the 100th episode because they could also, as much as we theorize, just completely knock us on our asses with a surprise. Absolutely. Right now, I'm very underwhelmed by what the 100th episode says, just because it's like the survivors, you know, sort of have to deal with the consequences of what happened. And I'm like, that's going to be the 100th episode of American Horror Story. Clearly, they have to have something up their sleeve. Uh, So I'm I'm not going to judge it just yet. But um, I'm here for it. I'm I'm here for whatever they give us. But I am really glad that it's not a movie that uh, that that it it is. It does seem like it's real, or at least I should say, quote unquote, real. And what we're watching is not going to be something that's going to be washed away, which I like. Even though I mean, I think a lot of the theories that um, that are that are online that it's a movie is because I mean. They're doing a really great job with the slasher theme. I mean, they're giving us the the typical slasher type of characters. You know, the the virgin, the uh, the jock, and and that sort of thing. So uh, I, I see why people are, or at least why the internet has been heavily leaning into the fact that this could be the filming of a movie. But uh, at least from the press releases that I found, it does not seem like they're going to be going that route, and I'm really excited by that to be quite honest maddie what about you before we get into the actual episode any thoughts on any of that um honestly like it doesn't i don't really like to theorize that much or you know like it doesn't really matter to me just because it is american horror story and like i've said before they twist things and turn things any which way they like and whenever they please so i kind of just go with the flow and and kind of wait and see like i'm I'm not too upset with the movie thing, but I also love Madison and just that character. So I would love her to come back as Brooke because I find this Brooke is just like, like super whiny and like typical damsel in distress type girl. But uh, yeah, Madison's where it adds. It's at. So I don't know, but we'll see. That is true. Madison is where it's at, right, Madison? Ah, hell yes. Hashtag Madison. Yes. That's so funny. <laughs> but I agree. I think that the more that this season is going, like Brooke is going from being someone that I was viewing as strong coming out of whatever she came out of into uh, I'm starting to feel a little bit like I did with Sarah Paulson in Cult. Oh, fascinating. Okay. All right. Where do we begin? Because, man, good grief. everywhere (laughs) i know it's like where do we begin because it's like i want to dive deep into like the benji of it all but it's like i want to dive deep into uh the just the reveal of of the connection And, and so i guess we'll go sort of in order because that reveal was fascinating and we had this long discussion during our previous podcast about it and we were right we were wrong but we were right if you know what i'm saying like we were in the right direction i do we just didn't hit the right nail on the head but we were close we were very close so uh, let's talk about two revelations number one how Richard Ramirez knows Brooke because that was the major cliffhanger in the previous episode. 
And we also learn who the her was. Like, you haven't killed her yet. Why is she still alive? And it turns out that was Brooke. Which we kind of guessed, but we, you know, we were still confused as to why. And we had a theory, and uh, we'll, we'll discuss it right now. So, uh, during a coke-fueled um, aerobics, or was it a man, man aerobics? Uh, something like, whatever she called it, um, session. This midnight uh, aerobic session with, with uh, all men. Uh Richard Ramirez stumbles in. Brooke is uh, in charge of the class. Um, he he um, was drawn in by the music with a rebel yell and everything. And uh, one of the students uh, sort of uh, curses Brooke, not Brooke, Montana. Did I say Brooke the first time around? I meant Montana. Mon- Brooke is on the brain because of this whole situation. Um, Montana is... Um, it, curses out Montana, Montana kicks him out, as a means to show uh, Montana that I guess he likes her. Uh, Richard Ramirez ends up killing the guy, it turns Montana on, and uh, then she goes into, like, would you kill again for me? And he's like, uh, yeah. Uh, They have sex. I don't know if I needed to say that. But, um... She's like, well, I need you to kill this girl that ruined my life. You know, she ended up killing, getting this, the love of my life killed. No, not the love of her life, sorry. Her brother killed her brother that she loved a lot. And uh, she knows that she had sex with him. And this is what led to the murder, death, kill at the wedding. Yes, I'm talking about Brooke's wedding. So apparently Montana's brother is uh, Brooke's fiance's best man, Sam. What the hell, everybody? Yes. Let's talk about this, because oh, we got the Richard Ramirez connection with uh, Montana. We got why Montana wants Brooke dead. Uh, Madison, you weren't here last week, so you weren't here for the theorization of uh, the moment. But uh, what did you think of uh, these reveals? And, and then I'll get your hot take on it, uh, Vinny. Um, totally um, kind of didn't surprise me. Like when she said, why haven't you killed her yet? Totally um, thought about Brooke immediately um, just because Montana got so close to Brooke so fast um, in this season, especially, you know, like just – you know, you know, like, I'm not lesbo, I'm just, you know, overly friendly, like, mm, I don't think so, it looks like you're trying to get somewhere, so obviously we knew that, like, she was already kind of out for something, we just didn't know what, even after, like, she kissed her and everything, very, very, you know, something was a little off, um, and the fact that she's with Richard Ramirez was hilarious, um, I, I like it, I like this whole um couple um i find it fascinating it's like it's not our first murder couple like we did have um in uh what coven we had um jessica lang and that axe murder guy uh we had them together that was a very interesting couple um so we it's not the first time we've seen a murder couple before uh but i i like them and i like how she's out for Brooke and it explains why he just followed her to and knew where she was. Um, it explains everything. So yeah, I didn't mind it. 
that wasn't really a great murder couple. They could have done so much. And... Yeah, they could have done so much more with the axe man, and oh, I that know. was probably for me. But I'm thinking it's not the first time that we've yeah. seen it before. That for me was a, a sort of a, a a miss that season, unfortunately. Um, okay, all right, I like it. Uh, Vinny, what about you? So we talked about this. We <laughs> for you, Madison, since you were not here, uh, we were sort of talking about like maybe she had a connection, she being Montana with the fiance. So the fact that it was the the best man, I think, made it almost extra juicy. Wouldn't you say so, Vinny? Woo! Yes. Woo. <laughs> yeah, you know, I. so we. you're right. Like, if this was a nail in the wall, we hit the hammer so close to it, there are holes in the wall around it. Because I think I specifically mentioned, like, how I thought she might be the sister of the fiancé or a mm-hmm. spurned lover. So yes. we were, like, adjacent. Um this whole connection, okay, so I grew up reading V.C. Andrews novels. I love them. I know it's weird. But it, it, if V.C. Andrews sniffed some coke and wrote a murder mystery, I feel like she would come up with a relationship like this. Like, when Montana walks into the locker room and discovers the gift that Ramirez left for her, and she's like, I'm going to slap you, but then I'm going to be so moved because this is the most effed up thing someone ever has ever done for me, and now we're going to have sex in the blood. Like, okay. Lick my bloody toes. Bloody toes, yes. You know, it was twisted. It was not something that I expected. Like I, I expected that something was going to happen to the person that it happened to in that locker room, but I, I didn't expect that it was going to be as intricate and as complex a display of admiration for her that it was. And I honestly was. I, I last week I was kind of lukewarm about the Montana reveal, but after this I was, as Jeff would say, I was very much here for it, and I actually really enjoyed it. The way that it played out the rest of the episode was a little bit hit or miss for me, fifty-fifty. But I did walk out of the episode kind of liking where it all ended up and where Madison is now. Or I'm sorry, where Brooke? No, goddamn Montana. See, we're all doing it now, Jeff. <laughs> That's funny. Good grief. Yes, it was a great reveal. I like their connection. I, I will co-sign with what Vinny just said that uh, I might have been a little sort of like, Ugh, maybe a little, this is too much with the connections and that sort of thing when it happened in the previous episode. But after this opening scene and even like just their interaction throughout the episode, I was like, you know what? I, I like it. I I am, as as I would say, I'm here for it. Uh, it's It's awesome. It's fascinating. The dynamic is really interesting and it's working for me so yeah it this was a really really great um just sequence period because it gave us a lot of information and uh it was just fascinating to watch uh, and they work really well together so um yeah i, I liked it a lot so uh, okay well yeah and also the, the reveal the, the whole um sister thing was was really good too like i love that we were really close to the to to actually figuring that out and um yeah that 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 was freaking awesome once she sort of explained it i was like okay and it all made sense um i don't know if do we think and i'm gonna ask this question just because it keeps on getting brought up do we think like after all of this now because i know that i asked this like when we saw the flashback do we think brooke had sex with sam no. 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 Okay. I feel like that would be too obvious, and I'm kind of looking forward to if there's a moment where 
because obviously not spoilers, but the promo that we saw for, I think I was about to say promotion, but I said promo instead, but you know what I mean? Um, the vignette in the promotional promo. trailer for next week. <laughs> I, know. I can talk really. Yes. Oh, yeah, the promo. I, I, I'm looking forward to the moment where Montana's like, no, you're a slut. You went and sexed up my bro. And she's like, no, I really didn't. And maybe some of the wind is taken out of Montana's sails. And this highfalutin scheme that she put into play is not as accurate as she, she, she thought. Very nice. The promo. I like it. Or the promo. Yeah. Or like on South Park when they say biopic instead of biopic. Oh, yes. Some people do actually say that. Interesting. I know, not to judge. Hashtag still judging. Yeah, I know, right? Okay, so uh, let's move on. Moving right along. So a theory that we did have was squashed, though, like big time. And this one kind of broke my heart because when we talked about it, Vinny, it just sounded so good. And even though we said, you know, it's another one of those like, oh, really, does there need to be a connection? But I really liked how you sold it for me, Vinny. But then it wasn't there with our vindicated. Yes, our lunch lady. So you weren't here, Madison, but Vinny was like, what if like our lunch lady was somehow connected to Mr. Jingles? And she had been the one that created that she had been the one that created the pit and that sort of thing. It turns out the pit, I think we kind of got confirmation later on. We'll discuss that when we get to it as to who created the pit. But, um, the lunch lady was not connected. So, uh, Xavier goes to birdie while she's making sandwiches for, yes, I said sandwiches, for the kids at the camp for the next day, because they'll be arriving in a couple hours. We, we have to remember it's the same damn night. They're arriving in a couple hours. And, and this is my theory also confirmed that this whole thing is going to like be dragged out in like one night. Oh, yeah. We talked about it. I think we've been confirmed that, Maddie. Where have you been? No, let me stop. She wasn't here. Just, she wasn't yes, here last you're right, time. Madison. Yes, God. Oh, okay, fine. Yes, Madison, you're one hundred percent right. See, I told you. Yes. Oh, so smart. I know. She's so adorable. <laughs> but was that the word that I was really thinking? So, um, so the lunch ladies, she's making sandwiches and Xavier's like, we need to leave. He's here. Do you not realize what's been going on? And uh, the jingling keys approach. He hides under the table. There's this whole sequence where they're catching up uh, because she, she, we learn that she used to work there and they knew each other. And he's like, why did you come back? And, and she was like, well, I could see that Margaret was still sort of surviving from that night. She was still tortured. And if this was a way to sort of help her finally overcome that night, then that's why I'm here. And he, she makes him a peanut butter and jelly sandwich without the crust because he don't like no damn crust. I don't really like the crust either, but I wouldn't really chop it off. Anyway, I'm lazy. Um, and then all, you know, Xavier, I don't know what that was in his hand. Was it a flashlight? I think 
right? Yeah, as a yeah. yeah. He drops the flashlight because that's what they usually do in a slasher movie. He gets caught. There's a scuffle. He gets tossed into the... Um, I feel like Vinny would know the exact term of that large-style oven. What do you call that? Uh, is it a convection oven? It would be... But isn't that like... Isn't that isn't there a special name for like the large ovens that they um, use in like restaurants? Or is it yes, my boyfriend who works in a restaurant told me that it is specifically and formally called an oven. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. Industrial I sized. Industrial sized oven. That's what that's what it is. And so he gets tossed into an industrial sized oven, and um, Birdie, well, she gets chopped up, uh, but she's still alive because. Uh, Xavier wakes up in the oven, he's screaming, no one can hear, Birdie sort of musters the final strength that she has to remove the ladle from the handle uh, that, that's like blocking the door from the oven from opening, he's freed, and she basically asks him to mercy kill her because um, that's what you do for a friend. And so he does. I was literally like about to cry. Aw. And yeah. and um and Xavier so is also now um he's extra crispy, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and I feel like you do. So Vinny, talk to me about this because it was an it was a good theory. It did not pan out, but what did you think of what we saw? And what did you think of everything we saw? With the the, <laughs> yeah. the burning flesh and everything. Oh god. Uh I, I was grabbing my opera pearls. I literally was. Because, you know, when they... In the trailer last week, which is kind of what fed into my theory of there being a connection, we saw that scene of Birdie making the sandwiches. But I, then I think it actually, like, panned over to a scene of Brooke. So I, I walked away from that trailer thinking, like, Birdie was having something to do with, like, cooking Brooke or, like, about to cut Brooke or something. But even without the Brooke segment, like, I got the impression that Birdie was about to be like, I'm one badass bitch. I'm either with the killer or I'm about to kick his ass. Um, I really thought it was kind of fascinating how, you know, all this murder has been happening in this camp. And she's just literally sitting in there like nothing warms a heart and makes him not, not miss home like a bologna sandwich. You know, it was like just this like totally wholesome moment. And when he was trying to convince her and she just was all right, this is not going to go the way that I thought it was. And I. I immediately knew she was going to die. Like in that moment, as soon as I, I, I felt the context of the situation, my mourning process began because Birdie was probably one of my favorite characters this season so far. She kind of filled that void that Kathy Bates not being on the show playing a crazy person has given me. Um, when it actually went down, I thought that Birdie suddenly deteriorated into showing that all the machismo is a bad word um the toughness the exterior that she had was kind of more fragile than i initially thought and there was this fear that was really really well done on the actress's part like she walked the line of i'm about to shit my pants but i'm gonna pretend that i'm not and make him a pbj sandwich um it was really really well played out by the actress and as it all played through i rooted for her to come back alive and just punch him in the face or do something and I actually, you know, I'm I'm pretty desensitized. I've watched the goriest horror movies you can imagine. And the scene where you actually see Birdie getting stabbed by him 
it, it happened so fast, but if I remember correctly, it was like a zoomed-in shot of her torso and the knife going in repeatedly. Uh, it was very graphic, and I actually kind of twitched and like, ooh, that grabbed my pearls for a second. And I was like, oh god, this is this is no, she didn't deserve this. I was sad. I was very sad to see Birdie go, and then when our little porn actor got shoved into the oven to become a porn souffle, and he had his... I thought it was hilarious how he was like, I'm just going to lift my leather jacket over my head for protection. Not the smartest thing, but when you don't have anything else to cover you, probably no other choice. I, I, I thought he was going to die, and I was literally sitting there talking to my boyfriend. I'm like, are they really going to kill Cody Fern right now? Because I had, I had this fear that, like, everything's been so breakneck that him dying was going to be a sign that, okay, next episode or very soon, the big reveal is going to happen. It's a movie. It's a contest. It's Madison, whatever. But then I did not expect it. Birdie just has that swan song and just scares the bejesus out of him. Has this, like, almost slow motion, like, uh, I'm going to get the ladle. Wait, no, I'm not. Yeah, I am. No, I'm not. Yeah, I am. No, I'm not. Okay, I got it. And the... The moment between Xavier and her, this is going to make me sound really, really twisted and probably reading things into it that I shouldn't, but calling back to that relationship that he had with her when they first met with the whole, oh, you couldn't handle this, boy. Like, there was an intimacy between the characters. There was this, like, I don't want to necessarily say romantic, but there was almost like a motherly and familial relationship between the two that I really palpably felt in that moment. Because if you think about it, he's only known her for barely a day, and already he is just like, I don't want to kill you, I can't. And I got the feeling that this woman he barely knew already meant a lot to him as a paragon of some kind of virtue or something he admired. Maybe he doesn't have a mother in his life, I don't know, but it gave depth to the character of Xavier that I had not really attributed previously. So when it was all said and done and he actually went through with it and Birdie died, I am not ashamed to say that I cried a little bit. But overall, it was a very passionate, very strong portion of this episode. And as much as I hate her being gone, well played, Ryan Murphy. Well played. Look at Vinny getting emotional over Birdie. I like it. I will say, just thinking of this season and thinking of the cast and and the characters, if uh, we were to have had Kathy Bates on this season, I feel like she would have been Birdie. And she would have been awesome, too. Like, Birdie has been oh, fantastic, yeah. but I, I think Kathy Bates would have been, like, the Birdie character, which is kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I miss Kathy Bates as well. But uh, we have a fantastic new cast. Uh, Maddie, what about you? Uh, what did you think of um, everything Xavier and Birdie? I don't even want to talk about it. Okay. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> it was so... It was so hard to watch. Um, I totally agree with you, Vince. Like, when you say that, like, there was a connection between them, I totally agree with you. Um, Just because, like, just, I don't know, like, her doing everything she could to save him. Like, you know, she really wanted, um, you know, like, not just him, but, like, she wanted to save the kids again. And, um, you know, even if she could just save one this time type thing. And, you know, him killing her like that, like, that was so, so heartbreaking. And, like, Birdie's face, just you seeing her face, like, completely um, bludgeoned. And, yeah, it was it was horrible. It was horrible to watch. Um, and Cody uh, did such a good job. Um, in that acting moment, I think, and him being locked in the oven, I was like, no, I thought the exact same thing as you. I'm like, 
they can't kill him already. Like, I know they've already killed, you know, one kind of, like, main character that we've been seeing, but they can't kill him. Like, he's, like, one of the few people from the... Yeah, like, few people from the actual American Horror Story crew that we have. Like, you can't just kill him off in, like, the fourth episode. Come on. So, um... Yeah, it's I would be totally at a loss. And the fact that he got burnt like that is like one of the worst ways to go. Um, so even my dad came down for a bit, like watching the episode with me, and he was like, Oh no. He's a is he oh god. I'm like, Yeah, he's in an oven. <laughs> yeah, like the worst ways. So um very I'm happy that he got out. Um definitely was one of the worst scenes i think i've ever watched in american horror story um well done yeah it was hella gross Uh, like how do you come back from that like you get hansel and gretled like and even even when he saw himself in the reflection like that was heartbreaking the way that he like just viewed himself like being like how is he ever going to be an actor or like a model now with that face like, do you know what I mean? If, if it doesn't heal properly, like, obviously. But, you know, he's probably thinking that now, like, oh, my God, I'm ugly. Like, I can never be an actor or a model now. You know what I mean? Like, his dreams were just crushed by seeing his reflection. So, like, I'll still take him. Like, it's okay. Like, I'll, I'm good. Like, we can be together. But <laughs> he'll never be an actor. Extra crispy. Extra crispy. Good grief. Um... I want to ask a question, but it just popped into my head, and I'm like, should I ask it now, or should I ask it at the end? I feel like I'm going to ask it at the end, but it's a good one, so um, stay tuned. <laughs> that's that's the uh, that's called a teaser, folks. Um, yeah, okay, that's going to be a good question to ask, especially since both of you aren't prepared to answer it. I like it. So, uh, moving right along... So we get confirmation in this episode as to who created the pit that we saw. Vinny, with his keen eye for uh, for um, wood carving, <laughs> uh, figured out that it was a fresh pit and fresh stakes. And uh, as Brooke escapes from where uh, not Rita has uh hid her away uh in a very easy way i'm like not rita you maybe you know how to make a trap but you don't know how to like keep someone tied up or something like that um they were like uh what would you call that thing um i know there's a proper name for for that swinging thing with the spikes i feel like there's a name for that oh yeah i know what you're talking about it's the pendulum trap yes the pendulum trap um, Maddie, did you call that a bear trap? No. Because <laughs> the bear trap is the thing that chomps. I know. I know. Okay. I don't hunt, okay? <laughs> it's okay. She's just takes um, cute pictures in the wilderness. Trap. Okay, there it's you go. It's a brook trap, okay? It's a brook trap. Yeah, that's what you meant to say. Um, you do take really nice selfies in the forest. She just doesn't know how to hunt. Right? Nope. Yeah. So um, so there are bear traps all over the place and this, that, or the other. And it turns out that it, it was not Rita, a.k.a. Donna Chambers. Don't call her Rita. Um, she's the one that created those traps, uh, probably to help trigger 
um, jingles as well as to make sure that no one escapes because remember she's a psychologist y'all and she is doing a study and uh, she's she's trying to see if jingles will take a captured prey or if he likes to hunt on his own you know it's this whole type of thing let's talk about donna because donna is so fucking crazy in the best way possible <laughs> like it is like she's so crazy she doesn't even know she's crazy and that's the type of crazy i like because she could just start spitting all this batshit shit and she thinks she sounds official as fuck and i'm like you are nutsy cuckoo lady but i love her because she's just so fucking crazy maddie what did you think of uh not rita and her interaction with Brooke and, and getting a little bit of the 411 as to what she's been up to with this whole uh, um, psychological experiment that she has created. Um, I thought it was a little interesting. Like, I, the experiment is quite interesting because I wonder if any point in the 70s or anything like that or in the 80s if somebody actually tried to do that because there has been um like experiments like that um like the stanford prison experiment um there's been you know multiple experiments like that before but i wonder if like it was actually performed with like a serial killer type way um so i don't know i like that whole um possibility or project that she's doing um but obviously like it's insane and would never ever be done but i wonder if it was done back then when things weren't necessarily <laughs> oh no that's that's fine that sounds great <laughs> um so i i like her and i like uh how she's a little cuckoo crazy and i just wonder if um, her and Mr. Jingles actually have a conversation soon because I would like to see um, if like now that he knows that he wasn't the one who killed everybody initially I wonder if he knows or like when they have a conversation if he goes yeah but I didn't kill anybody like it wasn't me like you're 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 studying the wrong person you know what I mean so it also changes her thing now that she has to study um what's her face our pigtailed girl I wanna call her Margaret I'm like I wanna call her Mona or something and it's not it <laughs> um yeah so Margaret like she should be studying Margaret not Mr. Jingles so I wanna see that conversation happen um, but yeah, her with Brooke was pretty funny. Brooke is obviously still a damsel in distress. Shout out to Mona from Who's the Boss. She was the boss. <laughs> just an FYI. Um, okay. You went into stuff that we haven't even gotten to yet, Madison. Um, aren't you a journalist? You should know not to do that. But, um, I'm, Vinny. I'm just, I'm just saying. Vinny, go ahead. <laughs> it, it, all I can think of is summing that up is like, welcome to Mind Hunter lightning round. Like, because I also right. watch that show on Netflix and I'm just like, okay, if the FBI really wanted to study serial killers and they were like, what's the best way? Let's just take John Wayne Gacy and put him out in the woods with a bunch of teenage boys and see what happens. Yeah, it, it, Obviously, this is someone who 
you know, because I, I, I think she touches on the fact that it's been a struggle for her and she has to work hard. Because I can imagine, you know, being an African-American female in that field back in the 70s, we're still coming out of the time where not only are women still struggling to have the female empowerment movement, you know, really take hold, but we're also dealing with, you know, we're not that many years ago from the civil rights movements back then. So she had a lot of opposition to enter into the field that she's in. On top of that, also more opposition to be getting taken seriously. So I can actually see the justification behind why her character went to such extreme methods. Are they wrong? Yes. But that's only if you don't have a clinical mindset. There was a very awesome moment between her and Brooke where she's like, honey, you're just my lab rat. And anyone who's had a science experience where, you know, you've dissected a dead animal, it's you ha- you're taught that you have to remove the emotional attachment and get the scientific mind. So she's justifying all this, I think. I don't think she's necessarily a bad person. I think she's got an effed up past that we're going to find out about later. Oh, yes. Yeah. Talk about the yeah. promo. <laughs> right. The promo. Um, but I, I think that it's we're going to see a change and a shift in this character, and I think she started to see her plan unravel a little bit with all of the catalysts for change in the form of Ramirez and Montana, and it was like there's so many plans going on at this camp that it, it's going to be interesting to watch this character fall apart. Oh, totes my goats. Yeah, it, that's going to be fascinating. Angelica Ross has been fantastic in the role, so uh, I, I'm here for everything uh, Donna Chambers. Don't call her Rita. So let's talk about the Freddy versus Jason moment of the episode. So earlier in the episode, Montana fills uh, our Night Stalker in on the fact that Mr. Jingles, yes, the Mr. Jingles, is uh, at the camp and how um, basically Richard Ramirez is going to have to take him out because if not, Jingles is going to fuck up Montana's plan for Brooke. And so uh, Richard Ramirez is really excited about the fact that he's going to be able to take down, uh, you know, a, a, um, a fellow serial killer and that sort of thing. And uh, we see him prepare by doing some sort of um, satanic type of ritual. Maybe Madison can fill us in on that. At some point, all I know is when you hear echoes of insane, 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 something satanic <laughs> so is happening. Yes, I don't write. Something satanic is going on when you hear that. And so uh, we have our showdown. It's serial killer versus serial killer. Richard Ramirez is um, like in awe of Jingles for a moment, but then he's like, shit's going down. Even though Jingles is like, you really don't want to fuck with me. And so they get into it. There's a fight. Um, You know, Las Vegas was placing their bets. And if you placed your bets on Richard Ramirez, even though he is a real life figure, you would have lost. Because Jingles did end up getting the upper hand and the upper branch. And it went right through the back of uh, Ramirez's neck and through his mouth. Talk about deep throat. Yes. Yeah. That's what happened to the poor uh, real Rita, too. Except she got ward. (laughs) So, uh, uh, well, 
we'll talk about the very tail end in a moment and see how that affects. This is a hint for Madison. Um, so let's talk about the actual fight. What did you all think of the fight? Did you think we would get it so soon? We sort of talked a little bit about it when, um, when, um, when Margaret was doing her thing with uh, Richard Ramirez way back in episode two. You know, we, we kind of felt like there was something that was going to happen, that it was going to be Jingles versus Ramirez at a certain point. What do we think of the actual fight that we saw? And, um, well, I should also say that while they're fighting, uh, not Rita and Montana are fighting as well. And Brooke does manage to escape because she was caught in a little uh, net type of situation. Um, so, uh, Vinny, I'll start off with you. What did you think of the Ramirez versus Jingles fight? So this scene kind of feeds into the one biggest pet peeve I have about this all happening during the night. There were moments where I was like, wait, who the hell is fighting who? What's going on? I can't exactly see because <laughs> it's so dark. Um, I mean, obviously, I was able to I was able to really see who was doing what. But I, I would have liked to see this with a little bit more illumination. Yeah. Um, you have to watch was... this season truly with in the, the lights off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And in my bedroom, because I like burn incense and, you know, whatever, I have a layer of like slight film on my TV that no matter how many times I try to wipe it, it won't go away. So when I had the lights on, there's a little bit of a glare and I had to turn the lights off during this scene because I was like, wait, what's going on? I, I was a little bit underwhelmed by the initial fight. The, the, the weird part that it, buying the transition of like Ramirez seemed like he was, I mean, he basically seemed like he was trying to flatter and seduce Jingles, but like, dude, you're a legend. You're awesome. I totally bromanced you, dude. Come on, let me, I love being a killer. And then he transitions into his, but wait, no, I need to make my own legend. You're not going to have this. It kind of reminded me of like this Robin Williams stand-up he does where he talks about how cats, the moment that like they want something, they pee on it. Uh, it, it was kind of like a pissing match. It, it was literally like, Brooks just sitting there chilling up in the net, read, not Rita's in the woods watching, and these two guys are like, no, it's my victim, no, it's mine. Um, I did like how Jingles had that one ominous statement where he's like, you don't want to do this. But it was very ominous. It was like, you don't want to do this. And they got into it. And the end of it, I loved. I, I loved watching Ramirez get the stake of the tree branch through the back of his head. Uh, it was very symbolic because he is a big mouth. He's very pretentious. He's very blustery. And I thought it was really fitting that the tree branch went straight up through his throat as penance for what he did to real Rita. Uh, the Montana and Donna fight was, I loved it. I, I've been wanting to see Donna actually have to get her hands dirty. Because it goes back to how she's trying to be a clinical observer. And the catalyst that I mentioned in this case was Montana coming in and ruining her observation of this exchange and forcing her to become part of the experiment as opposed to an observer. And her frustration was very evident. And I love the cliche of like two girls having a, a dynasty style cat fight and rolling down a hill. All that was missing was them suddenly being in a pit of mud and continuing to wrestle. But, uh, it was very, very well done. I like this part because we're finally starting to see the paradigms that are happening really start crossing over into each other. And where they're going to go is going to be incredibly interesting because obviously it is a stairway to disaster. 
Yes, although it would not have been penance for Real Rita's death because uh, Jingles killed Real Rita. Oh, that's right. I stand corrected. Thank you. Yes, so Jingles enjoys um, the phallicness of his of his kills. <laughs> he has an oral fixation. Yes, there you go. Madison, what about you? What did you think of the fight? What did you think of, well, both of the fights that were going on? And were you surprised that Brooke managed to escape? Is she the final girl? Um, honestly, I'll be kind of upset if she is the final girl because, like, she's becoming, like, such a damsel in distress. Um, a little annoying, too. It is um, very 80s, though. So it's really yes. fitting in. See, but at this point, with, everything like, is so cliche. You know, so yeah. like to me, this fight cliche, the girl fight cliche. Um, I know. I All I could LA look was at like... was the leopard print, and I'm like, this is so right? fucking insane. Like, as much yeah. as I like it, I admit that it is a total cliche that I've seen done thousands of times over the years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think it was. I think it was good. Like, um, I don't know. Like. Richard Ramirez dying um, surprised me a little bit, but at the same time, like, I knew he was no match for Jingles, like, size-wise and everything like that. Um, also, I always think, like, because Richard Ramirez is a real person. Like, he's a real serial killer. So the fact that we're treating him just like a character is, like, kind of crazy um because he is a real serial killer and did such horrific crimes so like us demeaning him in such this way is like insane to me to think like that um but yeah so him dying was pretty interesting in the way he died um but then the whole time i was like but he can't die right but i'm like but he can't die that that doesn't clue into like real life so i wonder if they're going to be factual with his actual storyline in in life, like in real life, or if they're just going to play it up in different ways. So we'll see. It's interesting that you say that because the moment that he died, I actually looked over my boyfriend and I'm like, wait, that's not right. Because I'm like, if he's actually <laughs> exactly. dead, then I because at first I tied it to the continuity of hotel. You know, how we know he lives long enough to become a middle-aged man, to be a ghost, and he shows in the hotel. But then I was like, wait, but even more so, if they're really killing him and we're meant to view this as factual, if he's dead, then we know this is something within something else because that didn't really happen in the real world. He he lived much longer. Exactly. Yeah. It is hella fascinating. It is hella fascinating. And you know what? We're, we're going to continue with this storyline because there's just something that happens at the tail end. And since we're talking about Richard Ramirez, we might as well talk about it right now. So, uh, not Rita, comes to and uh, g- clearly sort of shooketh over what happened. Um, and uh, she, you know, she got knocked out during the fight with Montana and that sort of thing. And as she's coming to, she's there to witness the resurrection of Richard Ramirez. So he floats, his eyes turn black, we hear Satan, 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 Satan. And, you know, his wounds heal and all that kind of stuff, and he's back. They're cackling in the middle of the woods. Can I say something? When... When Rita and Richard Ramirez, like, started floating up. No, Rita did not float up. They were both dead and coming back to life? 
I thought that they were com both coming back as ghosts. No, Rita did Me not too. float up. I know she didn't, Jeffrey. Oh, okay. I'm just saying <laughs> when she but this, woke no, up. No, because you said when so Rita dark, floated up. I couldn't up. tell if Rita was killed earlier or not. Same. Same. So, like, I know she was hit in the head, but I didn't know if she was just knocked out or killed. So, like, when she woke up and then Richard Ramirez all of a sudden started floating, I'm like, oh, my God, are they both ghosts now? So, questions, questions, questions. But, yeah, definitely I'm here for the Satan part, obviously. Clearly. Yeah. So, do we think, well, one of two things. Do we think he's a ghost ghost, like um, Jonas-style ghost? Or do we think whatever his little satanic ritual was before the killing, or the, the fight happened, do we think maybe that's what has brought him back to life? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Which one? I said two things, Maddie. You can't say 100% <laughs> to both. A hundred percent the second one. <laughs> okay, that's better. Okay. Because we have heard, like, the Satan Satan stuff around him. Like, American Horror Story is not um, afraid of, like, the satanic stuff or, like, hell or purgatory or anything like that. So, obviously, like, him coming back uh, as a demon or, you know, Satan giving him his soul back or whatever um, definitely does not surprise me. Um, so maybe definitely he doesn't they could, have they're a going soul. that route. Hmm? Maybe he doesn't have a soul, and so that's why he can come back. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Like he could be a, exactly. a disciple well, and, and that kind of thing. Of the... Disciple's exactly it. He's he's painted himself as a dedicated disciple of Satan. And in the beginning of the season, I mean, obviously this is a very green Richard Ramirez who I got the impression he's obviously very early in his murderous career. And I think that up until that moment, he had never really found himself in a position where he was vulnerable before until he met Brooke. And now Brooks brought him to this place of desperation. And the little ritual he was interrupted doing was offering his blood to the ground. He was trying to, to channel something and open up uh, some kind of conduit or gateway or something directly to Satan so he could receive a demonic blessing. And from all of my studies into stuff like this, he is pretty much a willing vessel for whatever dark force decides to take up root within him. And I think what we saw was him returning back, getting his soul back to a degree, but also being instilled with some kind of nightmarish demonic power, which I also thought was ironic because this season also has Cody Fern and it, it kind of gave me flashbacks of him as, you know, the, the antichrist. Uh, but the black eyes, I, I associate it because I think we were talking about Supernatural before this podcast. I associate black eyes with a demon because I've watched Supernatural for so many years. So I'm curious if he's fully possessed or if he's still the Richard character, but now he's like super cyan serial killer a la Dragon Ball murder. Well, there you go. I like it. I'm here for it all. Uh, and look, Maddie. We have someone else that's uh, well-versed in the satanic arts. So it's Perfect. not just you, Madison. Yeah, yeah. Madison has books that she reads late at night. Oh, my God. <laughs> you do. Oh God. You sent me pictures of the books. Oh, my God. It's like Mean Girls slash The Exorcist. Totally different. <laughs> no. Maybe The Craft. Shout out to The oh, Craft. Anywho. Yeah, Madison has no idea what the craft is. She's too young. 
Madison, go watch The Craft. It's good. It might give you ideas. Before the remake comes out. Oh, wait, there's a remake? Oh, yeah, they're rebooting it. Oh, okay. That might be interesting. I don't mind a reboot. I don't mind a remake. I don't mind a revival. Uh, if it's done well, it's done well. But we veered off into a very different territory. So Yeah, we could keep going and we shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, we probably should. Yeah, we probably should not. Okay, so the other huge reveal that we got in this episode was the truth of what happened at Camp Redwood way back 14 years ago. It is a very odd number, 14. You know what I'm saying? Like, whenever they say it, I'm like, 14, that's just a weird number. Um, but 14 years ago, in the year 1970, so, you know the flashes that we've seen? We kind of always assumed that that uh, Margaret was, like, one of the kids, but no, she was one of the counselors, which kind of makes a little bit more sense. She was one of the counselors. She was a little goody two-shoes. She was getting bullied by the other counselors because she's such a goody two-shoes, little church girl. But uh, she does have a friend. She has an ally. His name is Benji, who makes her a little bear carving uh, thingy and everything. And uh, they clearly have a little something going on she's a little church girl so she isn't going to do anything but uh she's sucking on his bloody finger um clearly he's got let's say at least a crush maybe on her and she's like are you willing to do anything for me and are you willing to protect me and all that sort of thing but one night when i guess the counselor's took things a little too far margaret snaps like the women on that tv show snapped that like they do and uh, she slaughters them all and we even see now from the pov of that that girl that we saw in the pilot it was margaret that was stabbing her in the damn face and uh because benji did not protect her that's why she decides to make him the fall guy in um, the whole uh, murder of that night, the murder-death-kill. And so she had heard about the stories, about the war, and that sort of thing. And so that's why she chopped the ears off, put him on a little necklace, framed him for it. Clearly she had to chop her own ear off too so that she could seem like she's the, the final survivor and that sort of thing. And um, and that's what happened. And because he had gone through uh, like electroshock therapy and that sort of thing, he was basically um, tortured into believing that he had done it, even though he can't remember it. And so the reason why he was killing and that sort of thing, well, he he, he felt like he needed to to kill the final girl you know the the final survivor but he was also just beaten sort of into submission because he had been told for all those years that he was evil he was born evil that he did it and uh, so now you know he was almost at a um, I don't know what you would call it like a moral impasse like what have I done what have I been doing like I thought I was doing this 
because I was a monster. But no, you made me do it. And so when he tries to kill Margaret, she ends up shooting him. Pow, pow. So let's stop here. There's more stuff that happens. We'll get into that in a moment. Let's talk about the revelation. So we've been talking about this, I feel like, since episode one. Like, was she involved? Was it her? This, that, or the other. And we finally got the actual information as to what happened that night and how she was able to frame Benji. Maddie, talk to me about it. Um, actually didn't surprise me at all, like, because we've been talking about her being the one who kind of did everything, um, so it didn't surprise me. I felt really, really bad, um, that Mr. Jingles, uh, didn't actually do anything, um, but now he is a killer, so that must be really twisted, um, but yeah, I wasn't surprised at all that- Very twisty. Um, yeah, I wasn't surprised at all that she was the one who actually killed everyone. Maddie didn't get it. He also played Twisty the Clown. Vinny, what about you? What did oh. you think of the revelation of it all? Bitter party of one is me. <laughs> my my overall reaction was, really? Come on. Because we... It was so obvious from the first episode. I was really, really... I mean, I even... I called it, like... And I, I sound like such an arrogant jackass because I keep talking about things I, I've called before. But I remember talking about Pavlov and dogs and bells and conditioning as it was with jingles. And I really didn't want to be right because I was hoping that, that this would be something that I'd be like, OK, I was wrong because this season's given us a lot of surprises. And it just seemed like this was the most obvious one. The moment I saw Margaret, I'm like, that is one sneaky bitch. I don't like her. The, this this craziness in her that she was probably the one that killed everybody. So this is probably the one part of the episode that I was really disappointed with. Cause I wanted it not to be that I wanted to be surprised. But like Maddie said, the one part that I did like was when jingles discovered that you could honestly kind of get the vibe of this person having this driving mission suddenly just completely drained out of them and the fight kind of going out and then the anger coming in. I enjoyed the acting in that regard and that part of the story, but I really wanted to be surprised by Margaret and have it be something else. So when it actually all came into play, I was just kind of a little bit of bitterly meh. Well, not to deflate your ego, but you were wrong if if you were saying that Jingles was conditioned to kill, in a sense. I mean, it wasn't... Well, it wasn't... Doctor. Well, well, even that, I, I wouldn't even interpret it almost that way either, um, I would say. I don't know. I mean, I think it's a mixture of that and then Margaret's framing, definitely. But well, like yeah, The Margaret. scene with the doctor where yeah. she was like, you're evil, but you don't know what you are. Like, it was just so obvious that they were going that route. But yeah, no, I mean, not 100%, because she definitely set him up a lot of it. But over the yeah. years since then, they kind of made him believe he was that thing that she set him up as, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I like the reveal, so I'm, I'm the complete opposite. I didn't mind it. I know that we sort of figured it out very early on, but uh, it was still really good. They did a really good job explaining it. Um, I, 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 I am really liking Leslie Grossman's interpretation of Margaret. I mean, she clearly knows 
what type of show she's on. She knows that this is like the slasher season. So she's giving me those like eighties vibes, like with everything that she's doing and I'm really loving it. Um, I, I, I like that she was the one to take out jingles, sort of like the loose dangling thread and how that's going to benefit her in the end. I think that's fascinating. Uh, the confession was really interesting. The flashbacks were really well done as well. I was, I, I don't know, I liked it. I, I, I was totally here for everything uh, about it, uh, even though we did predict it. And it was like the most obvious way that they were heading, but it was still really well done, I would say. So, uh, continuing on. So, throughout the episode, you know, we know from, like, even the previous episode that uh, our survivors, they were thinking about Birdie, and they were thinking about Margaret. Like, we need to save Margaret, we need to save Margaret. I don't know why you need to save her. Uh, especially because we know way more than they know. But they're like, we need to save Margaret. And so Trevor is like, I'll go get Margaret, and we're gonna get the hell out of here. And so uh, he goes, and he, he, well, they hear the gunshots, and that's when he goes to, like, see her. And he's like, oh, my God, you killed Jingles. You have no idea what's been going on, this, that, or the other, and everything, and we need to go, and you just saved the day, and that sort of thing. And she's like, yeah, I did. And you know what else? you were Jingles's final victim. And he's like, huh? And she guts him like a fish and uh, chops... Wait, she does chop his ear off, right? Didn't she... Oh, no, she yeah. didn't shoot him first. No. She stabbed him and then the ear, yeah. Yeah. Stabbed him, stabbed and him, stabbed him and stabbed him. And stabs him and, and ears him and all that kind of stuff. And... Uh, and then um, she ends up. Um, she ends up. Does she put the body in the car, or does she light the car on fire? Just light the car on fire. I think she just lights the car on fire. Yeah. Okay. I don't even think she moves him. Okay. And so then, because they're going to to the car, Blake's car, the dude uh, from way back in episode two they discover that his car is still there and that's their means to, to get out uh, and um, to escape from the camp she goes and she lights the car on fire and um and she's there with everybody you know playing the victim and, and that kind of thing what did you all think of trevor's death what, did you expect trevor to die were you surprised did this um did this death make an impression on you i was like no mr schuster no right. he's not mr <laughs> schuster anymore um pissed off um i really hope he doesn't die just like um somebody else who didn't die uh mr jingles <clears throat> um well yeah i did not mention around, that but gone. yeah yeah she turns around but... and his body's gone but so there's a I whole lot of blood he's not actually dead i hope he's not actually dead because i feel like there's still so much more that I wanted to see from him um, as a character. Um, but yeah, not going to be too happy if he's actually dead. Same. After the the Michael Myers type disappearance of Mr. Jingles, I was almost kind of hoping 
that we would pan back from the burning car to see like his eyes open and Trevor stand back up because I feel like there was definitely more. I, I want that moment where he like she's she's playing the victim to everybody and he comes out and he's like, no, she's a crazy bitch. She did this. But I sadly got the impression that he's dead because she like not only stabbed him, she like stabbed him, then went up past the Texaco, made a left and then made a U-turn and came back down to the groin. Like it, it was intense. So I'm very sad if he's actually gone because I would have liked to see more because that was a character that really didn't get a lot of development. So looking in retrospect, he was kind of set up to just be fodder for a killer. And um, I really w wish that wasn't the case. I feel like he's dead. He might return as a ghost, because clearly there's the Jonas of it all, but uh, I feel like he is dead. Jingles, on the other hand, is out there doing something. Uh, I don't know what he's going to be doing. Maybe he's going to look for that sand that uh, Richard Ramirez was playing with and, and try to patch himself up with some of the satanic goo that's on the ground. I don't know. But uh, that that's <laughs> fascinating that he's... They did. They did pull a Michael Myers. They pulled the Jason Voorhees, where you know, it looks like he died, but he's not dead. So I, I wonder how they're gonna explain that away. And um, yeah, but but Trevor's gone. Like she gutted him like big time, bigly. But there is a say. moment I feel we need to discuss briefly, and that's even though I didn't like the reveal with Margaret. The moment when she's gutting Mr. Schuster, I'm sorry, Trevor, and she's talking about, you know, I thought I was going to bring the Jesus to everyone and be a good little girl, but having my knife in your gut and feeling this, and she just had this, like, really intense moment where she basically put on the serial killer slippers and flannel coat and was like, mm, I'm comfy in the blood and guts of everyone else. It was really well played on Leslie's part. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Maddie, do you have a response to that? Especially since in the first episode you were like, I'm not really feeling her. Yeah, no, I still don't like, I still don't, mm-mm, I'm not liking <laughs> it. Still don't like it, but um, I loved it when she's like, oh, you don't understand, like, there's children coming in the morning, and it's like, bitch, what the? Right? <laughs> Enough with the kids. I know, right? I wonder if there are kids coming in the morning. I wonder. Mm -hmm. She keeps on mentioning them. But or, like, know. she wanted the kids to come so she could kill all of them. <gasps> Imagine. No, I don't think she would have killed right. the kids. Um, I, like, I do welcome think... to Camp Redwood. Just drink the Kool-Aid. I do think she'll kill all the adults, though. But fascinating, nonetheless. We didn't talk about him just because he's laying on a cot somewhere. But oh, um, yeah. we Chet. do have Chet, who's miraculously still alive after being impaled by a not-so-sharp piece of wood. So he is allegedly alive somewhere in the, I guess it was the infirmary, with a sheet over his body. Do we think he's going to survive? Actually, you know what? This leads to the question that I want to ask everybody. Who do we think will survive the night? I don't know. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, like every episode, I feel like my opinion on that changes. Well, I'm going to be tomorrow, a pessimist. Not tomorrow, but, uh, but next week's oh. episode will be the final episode of the night. The episode after that is the survivors coping with what happened 
during the previous night, a.k.a. these past, well, what will be five episodes. Mm -hmm. So this is our sort of final chance to pick the final girl, girls, boys. I feel like because we talked about this previously, how Chet was billed originally as Brooks Lovin. They actually called him her boyfriend at one point. I think him getting impaled and then being somewhere off scene right now in the infirmary, he's kind of off the radar of the killers. I, As much as I don't want Brooke to be the final girl unless she has a personality shift, I almost wonder if it's going to kind of be like almost everybody but them dies and... It's her and Chet. And that's how he becomes her love interest, is they, they bond over the experience. Okay, that's interesting. I could see both of them surviving the night, and I think the third one will be Montana. I do think she will no, survive. I think Montana is going to get so fucked. And right. Then, and then Xavier is gonna survive because he's already been like screwed up. Like oh, he's already Z- had to go. Yeah, Xavier, I've completely forgot. Yeah. yeah. So Xavier, and then, Xavier okay. and then Chet and Brooke and Montana's gonna die. Yeah. I feel like Montana has to die because I I just want it to happen. At this point, no, I, I want to see that. what they do. I like that idea because if they do do like the whole idea of a new generation of killers are trying to continue on the tradition of Camp Redwood and they introduce ghosts and, and the ghosts are helping the survivors that lived. I could see Montana being one of the ghosts that because of everything that she had done, like she could be a ghost on the side of good versus some of the other characters that might be more so on the side of working with the, like, let's say, the evil ghosts, if they do something like that. I could see Montana wanting to atone. Yeah, and, you know, the thing with Montana, I have to admit, is she threw me a couple times this episode because the character is such a... Not not Billy Lord, but the... I mean, obviously, it speaks to her, but Montana, as a person, is a very, very convincing actor. When she ran up and was like, oh my god, Brooke, you're in a net. Oh my god. It wasn't, it didn't sound like that. It was convincing. It was like legitimate, like I was sitting there thinking, I'm like, okay, so is she pretending or is she pretending with Richard because she didn't want him to kill her so she's sleeping with him so she doesn't die and she's making him think that she wants him to kill this girl. So, And I know it's ridiculous to think that far into it, but the the way that she ran up to the net and like it almost seemed like, okay, maybe she is good or she's feeling bad now that she sees there were a couple of moments where i can actually kind of see something like if she wasn't acting how that that could what you just said could work out or at the same time i could see her as being kind of a ghost that's like you know what i'm stuck here i don't like it i'm pissed that things didn't go the way that i wanted so i'm going to pretend that i'm a good ghost and i'm going to f y'all up well we will find out in one episode i'm i'm excited yeah we're finally going to end this night And uh, we're going to move into a new chapter, which should be very, very interesting. Any final thoughts on the episode as a whole? Was there anything else that, um, was was there anything that I missed that you all want to discuss? Even a small little moment before we head into the MVP? Xavier and Jingles on the bridge. Oh, yes. 
that was a teeny tiny little moment. Yeah, where... it was interesting. I don't know what to take from that. Like, was Jingles because this was after everything with Margaret, and he was obviously very deflated. Mm-hmm. Did he feel bad? And I... Almost. Yeah, exactly. And, and I couldn't tell. And then the whole thing with like Xavier, I'm assuming what I took as happening was Xavier passed out from the pain. And that's why it framed into Brooke waking him up the next second. And it was almost like a fake out to make you think Jingles is actually a ghost or something and disappeared. I think he just passed out. But that scene was weird and it was very random. So I was almost wondering what the significance of that might be. Yes, because I wonder if going forward, if Jingles won't necessarily be a killer killer, but Jingles will clearly want revenge on Margaret. So will he yeah. still kill others to achieve that revenge, or will be will he be hell-bent on killing Margaret and maybe saving the rest of the people from Margaret, in a sense? Yeah, it's going to be like Mortal Kombat. It's going to be very, very intense and interesting. Toasty! Yeah. Okay, so let's get into it. It's time for the MVP, the most valuable player. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. Once a character has been chosen, they cannot be selected again. So, choose wisely. Maddie Fitz, our own Madison Montgomery. Who's your uh, MVP? Um, I'm going to go with Miss Birdie um, for saving my Dear, dear, sweet, sweet, sweet Antichrist in the oven. Um, and just being the gem that she is. And she died heroically. And Godspeed, Birdie. Well, there you go. The Antichrist in the oven. Sounds like a delicious Halloween dessert. Hell yeah. <laughs> Vinny, what about you? Your MVP and why? This is a tough one, but I'm. I think I'm going to go with Miss Donna. I uh, she just really, I, I the the whole thing with her elaborate. I mean, obviously this woman went to massive lengths and digging that pit, setting the the uh, the bear trap, Maddie. Um, <laughs> the other trap. <laughs> you know, she she went to these like elaborate schemes of an obsessive compulsive scientist trying to set up the perfect experiment and I'm really looking forward to watching it all fall apart and watching this character spiral from being on the side of the baddies adjacent to them to suddenly probably finding herself thrust into the position of the victim that she wanted to study so badly. So, yeah, definitely Donna. A bear trap. You need to tell your parents about that one, Maddie. They'll get a kick out of that. See, what I want to know is, Madison, if you were in this in this season, how long would it take you to fall into one of those traps? <laughs> uh, pretty pretty quickly. I, I feel. <laughs> I feel. I, but for me, I would just be. I'd be on a canoe right now. I'd be like, uh, right. bye. Oh, she does love herself. Bye. A canoe. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'd find a canoe or a motorboat or something. Yeah, everyone's okay. like, we need to get on a cart. Um, hello, a canoe, right. there's a boat, like, let's go. Well, also, I don't, I don't really understand the idea of just run. Like, yeah. run away. Like, not even but through that's... the forest, because through the forest, yeah. maybe there are traps, bear traps, and, and things of that nature. Like, run on the road. There is a paved road that we mm -hmm. see 
that cars are driving on, run all the way down, or even walk, that, sprint, was it? Um, a brisk Donna walk. said, she, with uh, Brooke, there was that moment where she was like, girl, safety in numbers, if you would just kept down that way, you would have hit the road, you would have been out of here. It's like a microcosm type of trope for these movies where there's an, it, 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 did you guys ever watch the show The Dome? Where that dome came down oh, over yes. the city. Yeah. Yes. Within these the slasher genre and even not even extending it to the horror genre, there is a trope of these characters existing in a micro world where it's there's some kind of like stupidity in them that causes them to be like lemmings and stick together even if they're separate within the area it's like there's some imaginary wall that for whatever reason they they can't allow logic and reality to allow them to run away from the central location where all this danger is happening and it i, I think it was an interesting homage to the to the 80s horror movie because if you think about it a lot of the movies back then the same thing could have been said it's like Really, Laurie Strode could have just gotten in a car and left Haddonfield and gone to Bermuda, and Michael probably would not have found her for a very long time. The kids at Crystal Lake, eh, they probably could have gone very far, and Jason, you know, until later entries in the series would have found them. But, yeah, I, I see it as an interesting homage to how stupid the people in these movies are. This is true. So both of you had really great choices for MVP. I am going to give it to... Uh... Montana because of everything actually that Vinny said and then it was something that I noticed throughout the episode as well uh, Billy Lord is killing it this season like everything about her in this episode everything about I should say Montana in this episode was really fascinating I, I, I just found Montana to be a, a really interesting character and she was already an interesting character but the added layers in this episode yeah. just you know sort of took things um to like the nth degree and uh, I, I really liked everything that they did with montana in this episode and and billy lord is is killing it i, I mean um she's trying to kill it uh, but she is killing it like and, and uh, i mentioned this uh, i think it might have been our first podcast that uh, she isn't playing sort of like the similar type of character that she's played in previous seasons and uh, it, it's really fascinating. I, I'm enjoying seeing her grow as an actor. And uh... Yeah, I think she's proving that she can anchor, because she's usually in supporting roles. I mean, in Scream Queens, she was kind of a major character, but she was still to the side of Emma Roberts. This season, we're seeing a lot of these characters kind of have to step up to the plate to take on some meteor roles and outside their comfort zone, maybe. And I think that Billy Lord is definitely proving that she could be the figurehead of a season, and I would totally be here for the entire thing. Yeah, absolutely. And it's going to sound maybe sacrilegious to like say this, but um, I, as much as I enjoy them, and as much as I do miss like everyone that's no longer a part of American Horror Story, at least the people that have taken a break from this season, like I don't really miss Sarah Paulson and Evan Peters because we have really great actors filling really great roles. Like, am I sort of yeah. in my mind, like maybe trying to guess like who Sarah Paulson would play, who Evan Peters would play, Angela Bassett, Jessica Lang, um, Kathy Bates, uh, Adina Porter, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. But do I miss them, miss them? 
not really, just because this season has been really great and the cast has been really good. And, and the newbies are are really good. And uh, the, um, the veterans that maybe weren't necessarily front and center in previous seasons, now that they are front and center, I mean, they've been really good as well. So uh, it, it's been a pretty awesome season. Agreed. I think it's for a, se- a series like this, being an anthology... It's kind of nice to have, you know, the Lang of it all, the Evan and the Paulson and Adina, you know, as much as I enjoyed them, it's time for some new blood because you really start to be able to predict the type of character that they're going to play, at least to some degree. And in the past few seasons, I haven't really been as surprised by who they play as I am with this season and seeing what these newbies can do. And I like the element of surprise and not being able to necessarily predict it. Absolutely. So now it is time to rate the episode. How would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 keys? The point system is allowed. If you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than a 10, you may grant it the coveted golden key. And yes, you may jingle it. Maddie Fitz? Um, I'm going to give the episode a solid 8. I think it was really, really good, but I think that it could have been a little bit better um definitely twists and turns are continuing and i hope we get to see a lot more all right we start off with a solid eight from maddie fitz Vinny, what about you i am going to agree with maddie actually and continue with an eight uh there was a lot of revelations in this episode there were some pacing issues though and obviously we're dealing in the the constrictions of a one night event taking place over multiple episodes and you know a lot of things do have to happen but some of it i would have liked more time to explore if it, it is happening like a roller coaster um so as much as I do enjoy it, I, I do kind of feel like it could have been done better in some areas. So I think an eight is a really solid score. So we've got two eights. No surprise here. I will bump it up just a little bit. I'm going to give it a nine. Uh, I liked it. I I feel like this entire season is going to be a very rewatchable season just because it is so um, fast paced. But it's fast paced for me, at least in, in a in a good way. It, it keeps things really interesting and it's moving the plot along. And, and it makes sense because it does take place over the course of a night. So it should feel fast paced like there shouldn't be moments of Touché. trauma. And so, uh, <laughs> there you go. Uh, so, uh, so I liked it. Like, I, and the revelations were really good. The uh, character turns were fascinating. The um, surprises at the end were were really well done. So I was fully satisfied. And uh, I mean, let's be real. The difference between an eight and a nine isn't that much we're sort of splitting hairs with uh, the rating system that like i'll be honest like i think anything above an eight when you go eight nine and ten it's really just you know whatever it is that you want to justify it with so i feel like we're all on the same page um so yeah so uh another solid hour of american horror story and on that note join us next time for a brand new installment of are you afraid 1984 once again here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash PCR, are you afraid? Follow us on Tumblr, are you afraid, dash, a, h, s dot tumblr.com. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, and YouTube, at Poppy Chula Radio.
Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Help support Poppy Chula Radio financially by visiting gofundme.com slash poppychularadio. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for Are You Afraid? 1984 and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. My co-hosts, please wish the listeners a good night. Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night. Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of Are You Afraid 1984 every Friday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Papi Chulo Radio Archives. Good night.